Don't close your eyes. Don't close your eyes. This is your life. Today is all you got now. Yeah. And today is all you'll ever have. Don't close your eyes. Don't close your eyes. Today I'm going to dare you to read a book and become God's best version of you. And so I'm riding in the back of a cab, and uh, the cabbie says, so what is it that you do? I say, oh, well, you know, I, I teach religion, I, I talk about theology, and, and once you know it, I'm in a cab with a theological cab driver. And so he starts to, he starts to pump me with questions about the Bible. Uh, he's kind of one of these out there guys. He, he doesn't go to church. That was his answer to my question. So where do you go to church? No, he doesn't go to church. He just kind of takes, takes the Bible on his own terms, figures it out, interprets it, and then wants people who get in the back of his cab to believe him, sort of like he's the cabbie messiah. And, and so he, he gives me some verses, and I'm checking them out on my iPhone. And all of a sudden I realize hey, I should have pushed my meter on. You know, you owe me seven seventy-five for being a pastor in the back of your cab for five minutes. But I'm paying him, and he's pumped me with questions. And after a while, it just, it, it, I realized that if I do everything he wants me to do, if I believe life and theology the way he wants me to believe it, then everything's going to be okay. And maybe he'll take me where I want to go. But it's on his terms. He decides. And I don't think... That's the way God intended it to be. I don't think that's the way God wants it to be. I think God's most interested in you becoming the best version of you. Sometimes you won't have all the right answers. Sometimes I don't have all the right answers, but God still works with me to help me be the best me that I can be the me I want to be. And so I was doing this wedding, and it was just yesterday. And, uh, and weddings are just so interesting. I'm always watching and observing, and, and, and things are always happening, and things are going wrong sometimes. You know, there's, there's unity candles that need to be lit, and there isn't a match in sight. And so I'm always, like, watching for stuff like that, because I know we're going to get to that part of the ceremony, and somebody's going to want to light the candles, and so I'm watching all these things. And now we're into the ceremony. I get to the part where I say, according to God's holy ordinance, this is in the vows, and the groom is going to say this and the bride is going to say this as they promise their lives to each other, according to God's holy ordinance. And this never happened before where the groom was just, I guess he was so overwhelmed as he looked into the eyes of his wife, his wife-to-be in just a few minutes, he was so overwhelmed, he couldn't get it out. He couldn't say according to God's holy ordinance. He was having a struggle with it. And, and so finally he got something out that was kind of like according to God's only or ordinance. And I said, I'll take it. 
because I didn't want to stop this kid. It was obvious he needed help. He needed this woman. So, you know, he, he sort of, he got that part out. I'll take it. Okay, then I, I give it to her according to God's holy ordinance. And she starts laughing. She can't say it either, you know. So I said, okay, the wedding's over. Can't light the candles. Can't say the ordinance thing. Uh, but then she sort of got part of the phrase out. I said, I'll take it. You're married. Get out of here. Um, and then I started to think. What does that even mean according to God's holy ordinance? If you don't say that right, is is somehow God going to do something different? Is God interested in you jumping through some kind of hoops? Is God interested in you not getting tongue-tied? Or is God interested in so much more? Does God invest time and energy for a lifetime so that you can be the best version of God? you. John Ortberg wrote, life is not about any particular achievement or experience. The most important task of your life is not what you do, but who you become. This is your life. Are you who you want to be? 1 Kings chapter 19. The prelude to this chapter is in chapter 18 of 1 Kings. Elijah does some amazing work. He he stands up for the one true God. He brings down the political religious establishment. He is amazing. He defeats all these false prophets of the kingdom. And he has such a stunning victory. The king and the queen are incensed. You can read all of that story. It's a great story in 1 Kings 18. But the king and the queen are incensed. Ahab reported to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the massacre of the prophets. Jezebel immediately sent a messenger to Elijah with her threat. The gods will get you for this and I'll get even with you. By this time tomorrow, you'll be as dead as any one of those prophets. When Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Beersheba, far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant there and then went on into the desert another day's journey. He came to a lone broom bush, a tree with a little bit of shade and collapsed in its shade, wanting in the worst way to be done with it all, to just die. Enough of this, God. Take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Get me out of this. Exhausted, he fell asleep under the lone broom bush. What happened? Why hadn't Elijah at this point in his life become the best version of Elijah? He just had done great things. He was at the... The peak, it seemed, of his career. But there were some things that were broken in his life. There were some things that really weren't going in the right direction in his life. And God's not interested in us jumping through the hoops. God's not interested in us having all the right answers all the time. God's interested in us being the right people. And so God enters the story. Suddenly an angel shook him awake and said, 
get up and eat. He looked around, and to his surprise, right by his head were a loaf of bread baked on some coals and a jug of water. He ate the meal and went back to sleep. He was so exhausted, he just fell back asleep. The angel of God came back, shook him awake again, and said, Get up and eat some more. You've got a long journey ahead of you. He got up, ate, and drank his fill and set out. Nourished by that meal, he walked 40 days and nights all the way to the mountain of God, to Horeb. When he got there, he crawled into a cave and went to sleep. It was a long journey, and he was tired again. Then the word of God came to him. So Elijah, what are you doing here? In another translation, it simply says, what are you doing here, Elijah? It's a great question. As a matter of fact, it's the question. What are you doing here? What are you doing with your life? Are you who you want to be? I know that you're not feeling that great right now. What is going on with you? And that's all Elijah needed, just that one little push, and he explodes. I've been working my heart out for the God of the angel armies, said Elijah. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. I don't like this. I don't like working for you. It's not a whole lot of fun down here. I don't know if you notice it lately, but nobody cares much anymore. Nobody gives a rip about who you are and what you're all about. And you got me down here doing all kinds of stuff, and then they're going to kill me, and I am out. I am done. Get me out of this. I quit. Then he was told, go stand on the mountain at attention before God. God will pass by. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God, but God wasn't to be found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but God wasn't in the fire. These great manifestations, the mountain is shaking, the wind is blowing, fire is raging, and God isn't anywhere to be found. And after the fire, a gentle and quiet whisper. When Elijah heard the quiet voice, he muffled his face with his great cloak, went to the mouth of the cave and stood there. A quiet voice asked, not a voice that was agitated, not a voice that was out of control, a quiet, steady voice asked. So Elijah, now tell me, what are you doing here? It's the most important question. It's not a complicated question. It's not theologically deep, although there are great implications when you answer this question. But it's most important to God that we begin right there. If we're going to become the best versions of ourselves, if we want to be the me's that we want to be, what are we doing here? What are you doing here with your life, with the life that God gave you. Elijah, he hadn't moved too far in his mind and in his heart. 
I've been working my heart out for God, the God of the angel armies, because the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed your places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I quit. I can't do it. I can't jump through the hoops. I don't have all the right answers. I don't know what to do anymore. Get me out of this. God said, go back. Go back the way you came through the desert to Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael. Make him king over Aram. Then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi. Make him king over Israel. Finally, anoint Elisha to succeed you as prophet. Meanwhile, I'm preserving for myself 7,000 souls, the knees that haven't bowed to the god Baal, the knees that have not gotten down before false deity, before things that, that don't deserve worship, the mouths that haven't kissed his image. There are 7,000 people that know me and remember me. Don't ever forget that, Elijah. Elijah went straight out and found Elisha in a field where there were 12 pairs of, of yoked oxen at work plowing. This is your life. Are you who you want to be? This is your life. Is it everything you dreamed that it would be when the world was younger and you had everything to lose? Don't close your eyes. Elijah closed his eyes. Elijah allowed himself for a few moments to lose track of himself because he was so stuck in hoop jumping. He was so stuck in role playing. He was so stuck in a job description that he forgot the job. He forgot the real job. And when that happens, we get real lost real fast. And we get confused and we get angry, just like Elijah got confused and got very angry. But there's a way out of that. And there's a way to go from that. And so let me tell you about that way. And let me tell you about something that we're going to do together that will take us that way together. John Orberg wrote in his book, The Me I Want to Be, life is not about any particular achievement or experience. The most important task of your life is not what you do, but who you become. And this whole book, this whole book began because of a discussion that he had with his wife, Nancy. See, they were... They were at home, and, and John was in the bedroom, and Nancy walked into the bedroom, and I heard him tell this story. I believe it was at a leadership summit a couple years ago. She walks in, she closes the door, the kids are playing outside, and she has a list. And he knew he was in trouble as soon as he saw that she had a list. And she starts reading. You know, it's really a lot better around here when you help me do this thing called a home and a family. And, and I really, I miss the person that I knew really well a long time ago. He's kind of disappeared, and I don't know where, where he went, but I know I really miss him. His name is John. And he said to her, I miss that person too. 
And then he went into this litany of a story of his life. I'm doing all these things. I have all these responsibilities. I have all this pressure. I'm carrying all the weight of all this stuff. And, and the leadership calling is just so heavy upon every single moment of every single day. And what was he saying? I'm jumping through all the hoops. I'm trying to have all the right answers. And he said this. He said these words. I'm doing the best I can. And the whole book began to write itself with Nancy's answer to that. No, you're not. No, you're not. She called him on it. She said, it doesn't matter that you jump through all the hoops. It doesn't matter that you try to have all the right answers. You are not becoming the best you that you can become. You are not becoming God's best version of you. And the me you want to be isn't even here anymore. And John responded to his credit. As soon as she said that, I knew she was right. As soon as she said that, I knew she was right. And he had been wanting to to think about those things and he had been wanting to write about those things And so the book began to unfold. Who is this me? Who is this me I want to be? How do I become God's best version of me? And so in the first section of his book, he writes about the different kinds of me. He said, there's the me I pretend to be. It's what I want you to see. It's what I want you to know about me. I'm on my best behavior. I I save my best Words for those times when we're together and you see me and you hear me and, and, and I just want you to think I'm pretty great. The me I pretend to be. There are no warts there that, that show through. There are no broken pieces that are allowed to shine through. And then he said, there's the me I think I should be. It's about shoulds, shoulda, woulda, coulda. I should have done it this way. I could have done it that way. I would have been here. It would have happened like this. Marlon Brando said it well. I could have been a contender. <laughs> and there's the me other people want me to be. There's all this pressure of expectations. You got to be like this. You got to look like that. You got to say it this way. You got to act this way. Otherwise, you can't be a part of us because we all have these answers and we all live like this. And, and too often Christianity is reduced to a, a very, very superficial culture that God never intended it to be. A culture of people who jump through hoops. A culture of people who, who believe they have all the right answers all the time. And they put you in the back of their cabs. And they say, I don't go to church, but I have all the right answers. And let me ram them down your throat so that you can have them too. And there's something about getting stuff rammed down your throat that's nauseating and you don't like it. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. I'd rather spend an hour with a Buddhist at Starbucks than five more minutes with that guy in the cab. You know it. You can feel it. Then there's the, the me I'm afraid God wants. 
Oh, what kind of a me is that? Well, what if I what if I did give everything to him? What if I gave him my life and I gave him my stuff and I gave him my time? Then who knows where I'm gonna end up? What am I gonna do? I can't I can't bear to think what God might take away from me. And you don't understand that the only things that God ever wants to take away from us are the things that are already hurting us, the things that are already defeating us, the things that 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 weigh us down, and, and we sort of drag these things along. And he says, no, i got to take that away. Oh, no, don't take that away. It's all he wants to take away. And there's the me that fails to be. I fell. I crawl. It's kind of fuzzy and, and half light, half dark, and I'm not really sure what direction I'm going in. Right now, I tried to be, I tried to become. What have I become? The me that fails to be. It's a hard me to be. But it's okay. Because there is a me I am meant to be. And what Ortberg is arguing for is that we get through all these me's, the me I pretend to be, the me I think I should be, the me other people want me to be, the me I'm afraid God wants, the me that fails to be, so that we can become this me I am meant to be. Well, how do you know where you are? How do you know if you're, if you're close to, to moving in that direction? John wanted to know for himself. Elijah wanted to know a long time ago for himself. John went to a a person he believes is a a wise counselor in his life, and he said, how do you assess the well-being of your soul? How do you know you're becoming God's best version of you? And the wise person gave him two answers to which I have added a third. Number one, he said, here's a question you have to answer. Am I growing more easily discouraged these days. Elijah was real discouraged, wasn't he? He was so discouraged, he ran away and and he didn't want to go back anymore. He had lost track of his soul. He had lost track of wanting to be the best Elijah that God wanted him to be. The wise man said, here's another question, John. You have to answer this one too. Am I growing more easily irritated these days? Days. Oh, Elijah was pretty irritated, wasn't he? He was so irritated, he just, he railed against heaven. I'm not doing this anymore. This isn't any fun. I'm, I quit. And when you get to that point in your life, you're kind of disconnected from your soul. And if you're disconnected from your soul, life doesn't work very well anymore. It doesn't. You get up and you go through the day it's not a whole lot of fun is it and then I added this question have I stopped expecting God to show up because if you stop expecting God to show up you are dead in the water you are backed into a corner and there's nowhere to go you you are you are done you can't ever 
Stop expecting God to show up. That's your only hope. It's our only hope if he shows up in the middle of these circumstances. It's our only hope if he shows up and changes the direction from here where it's going nowhere to here where it's going into his grace, into his peace, into his will for the future. And so when you answer those questions, you begin to understand if you are stuck in the me other people want you to be or the me that fails to be me. And then you can start a decision-making process of moving toward the me you were meant to be, becoming God's best version of you. There was a guy on the radio for a long time, and you have to be uh, a little bit older than 30, maybe a little bit older than 40 to remember this guy. Paul Harvey. And Paul Harvey, how many people remember Paul Harvey? Okay, about half. Good. We're the old guys. You raise your hand. So Paul Harvey used to tell these stories, and then he would, there'd be like this commercial break, and then he would say, when I come back, I will tell you the rest of the story. And the rest of the story was always really cool. It was always like this, this thing that twisted, and, and you couldn't expect it, but there it was. He was a master at that. Let me be Paul Harvey this morning. Let me tell you the rest of the story of Elijah and Elisha. 2 Kings 2, verse 9. Elijah's ready to go home to be with God. They've had this great friendship together, this great time of sharing their lives together. Elijah said to Elisha, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Ask anything. Elisha said, your life repeated in my life. I want to be a holy man just like you. And what Elisha was saying is, I want to see you. I've seen you flow with your faith. I've seen your life flowing and going somewhere. And I look around and I don't see very many lives that are like that. Lives that flow. Lives that are going somewhere good. Somewhere where God is doing something great. And that's what I want. But remember where Elisha met Elijah. It was after his meltdown. It was after his time of complete and utter devastation and brokenness and not knowing if he could jump through any more hoops, not knowing if he could have any of the right answers anymore. And so Elisha is unwittingly asking to be broken. He's unwittingly unwittingly seeking a life where God has to come in and rescue him from a, a vacant way of living where you just try to live up to everybody else's expectations and jump through all the hoops and perform and perform and perform and outdo what got done before and, and set new records and all these kinds of things. And, and God's saying, no, 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 no. You don't have to say according to my holy ordinance. You just have to live a holy life, a life that flows, a life that, that goes somewhere because I am always taking you somewhere. I'm always taking you toward being the best you that you can be, my best version of you. I'm the only one that can get you there. 
Let me give you these flowing lessons. If you're going to flow, you have to want to flow. It sounds so easy. It sounds like, well, I knew that. Well, most of us don't know that. We kind of jump through the hoops. We kind of try to get all the right answers, fill in the blanks, get the next notebook, go to the next deal. God says, no, first of all, you have to decide that you want to flow with me. Second, if you're going to flow, you must flow as you. You must become you that's what That's what John Ortberg says. And, and I love that. Never heard that used like that before, but I love it. He says this, one of the goals of spiritual life is to reduce the lag time of being out of the flow of the spirit. In other words, you have to recognize when you are trying to be a me that you're not supposed to be and decide that you want to flow. And the more quickly you can recognize, oh, I'm being that me that I'm not supposed to be and get back to being God's best version of you, the more you're going to flow. Then he says this, a spiritual discipline is simply an activity you engage in to be made more fully alive by the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit. You don't just become holier, you become youier. That is so great because that's what God's trying to teach us as he, as he unfolds these stories. He made us unique. He gave us unique gifts and abilities and, and personalities. And, and the process of being holy is a process of being you-y, you-ier. So you can't be anybody else but you. It sounds like, well, I knew that, but we don't know that. We're always trying to be something that we're not. We're always trying to live up to somebody else's idea of what it means to be a Christian or what it means to be mature theologically or what it means to have the right answers. And God says, will you just listen to me? What are you doing here, Elijah? Can we get back to the basics? I need you to go back, do your job, have a friend, be in a community that is loving and worshiping and grace-giving, and that's all I want for you because that's what will give you the best version of you. If you're going to flow, you have to hang around people who are flowing. And God loves it when we're all different and we're all a little quirky, but we're all seeking him together. We're allowing him to create within us the best version of who we are because that's what he intended for us. If you're going to flow, you have to answer the question, what are you doing here? It's not as, as important as having a job and knowing your job description. It's more important to know why God put you in a job and what he wants you to do with your job and with your responsibilities and with what you bring to the table of your employment or your career or that place where he has put you up against other people who don't know him. What are you doing here? And finally, if you're going to flow, you have to admit 
you're not doing the best you can. That's a hard thing to admit. I knew she was right as soon as she said it. We are taking God at his word that he wants to make something of us and he wants to do something in us. And there are times in our lives when, like Elijah, we have jumped through the hoops, we have given all the right answers, and, and we're exhausted, and we run away afraid, and we say, I can't do this anymore, I quit. And that's exactly where God wants us to be, because that's when God shows up. And he says, now what are you doing here? Because now we're really ready to make some things happen. I dare you to read this book. I dare you to be part of something over the next three weeks that has the potential to really do something deep in your life. The most important task of your life is who you become. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity over the next three weeks to really grow and become and to find and to figure out and to discover and to somehow together seize upon what you want to do in us and through us. Oh God, I want to be a better me. Oh God, I want to be best version of me that you always intended for me. And I pray that for each person here today. Father, challenge our hearts. Help us to answer that question. What are we doing here? For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much. Let's read this book. Let's rock the world. Good day and God bless you. that you've broken Don't close your eyes Don't close your eyes This is your life Today is all you've got now Yeah And today is all you'll ever have Don't close your eyes your life.
Yesterday is a kid in the corner. Yesterday is dead and over. But this is your life. Younger. 